Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. You're a show founded by veterans and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their stories to If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, star family, we'd love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe, click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Electrocast Media and About Face Radio. So keep you tuned in to us and learn about our great guests. Speaking of which, our next guest has over a decade of experience in mental health, worked with thousands of people. He's a former New York firefighter and currently a psychotherapist and master mindset coach, helping people achieve mastery over their mindsets to live a more aligned and powerful life. So without further ado, let's welcome Vin Infante to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Vin. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Once I seen where you're from and I seen the I think I seen a Mets hat in one of your pictures. I hope that's what I saw. I hope it wasn't a fake fake Mets hat, but the we'll take you on anyway if you're not a Mets fan. <laughs> I actually uh I don't I don't watch sports funny enough. What? <laughs> so it definitely wasn't a Mets hat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's awesome. right. Tell us a little more about your your background from as far back as you want to go to how we we got to where we are now. All right. Well, we'll keep the we'll keep the story relatively abridged just to uh, make sure that we can give the listeners some good stuff because I, I tend to ramble on with my story. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there, but I've been in mental health for over a decade. I started out at 18 years old, and I had been working virtually in every setting you could imagine. Inpatient, outpatient, hospitals, clinics, homeless shelter, private practice, Department of Education. I did applied behavioral analysis. I was a traveling home therapist. And so I tried out virtually everything. And I found that psychotherapy 
tends to lack in a lot of areas. And I didn't really think that it was providing a lot of help. And I grew pretty disenfranchised with the field, to be honest. So I started looking for new and exciting ways to really help people because I still want to serve. As I transitioned from psychotherapist to firefighter, I was also studying about coaching. And so I studied coaching. I got my coaching certification under Tony Robbins training program. And from there, I started incorporating different aspects of my background in psychology with these aspects of coaching to create what I thought was a more holistic service. And so I started doing this. I started pretty much working with everyone. While I was in the fire department, I'd been building the coaching business. And at a certain point, the scales just kind of started tipping where coaching started really picking up. I started getting a lot of clients. Things started to really flow. And it left me with a very hard decision to make where it was either going to be slow down with coaching so that, you know, I can continue continue to do do my duties and fulfill my role in the fire department or take the leap, quit, quit the fire department, give up all safety security and start my business full time. And so, I mean, I, I guess we know what I chose because I am a former firefighter now and uh, I've been doing the coaching mixed with therapy and mentoring aspects now for a few years. And it's it's been really great and really fulfilling. So that's kind of where I'm at now. It's an awesome journey, especially to start at 18 in the in the field that you chose at 18 years old. That's a wild field to go into at that age and then do it for a number of years and then go into firefighting while still trying to grasp on and grow the coaching business at the same time. That's a long it's a long journey. Any time in mental health in the mental health profession is, is a long time because you especially where you are in New York. And then as a firefighter, you probably wanted to always talk people down from situations because you usually met people on their worst day. As a firefighter, any any first responder meets people when they're on their worst day of their life most times. So I'm sure that was easy and hard for you at the same time to, hey, I'm going to help you, but now I really want to talk to you, make sure you're all right. So mm-hmm. was there situations like that for you when after you switched over to, to put the uniform on and running into that fire and helping someone, I have to talk you down from this as well? Well, it's a little, you know, it's a little difficult, right? And and what I'm about to say, I want everybody to understand is also not a shot at the fire department. I wasn't in the fire department for a long time, right? I was there for literally a year. I'm not going to say I was there for a long time and this and that. But with that being said, I was still a probie. So you're not going to get that kind of ability as a probie uh, yes, yes. to be talking to other people, right? Like there would be moments where I'd be like, I definitely have the expertise to talk to this person and help them out. But it wasn't going to be given to me because I'm the new guy. I would be left to like the lieutenant or the captain or even the more senior guy, right? For them to do the management of it because I'm the new guy. So I didn't actually really have those opportunities. Um, I didn't really get to utilize any of my expertise as my time as a firefighter. It's understandable now. It's only a year as a probe. I'm sure the leash is pretty tight. As oh, yeah. With every rookie in any profession, the leash is usually pretty tight until you prove yourself to the person next to you and that's usually hard as family your family name isn't in the fire department especially yeah and i i was out in a weird time too we we got a wartime graduation we were still in the academy the drill instructors were were still yelling at us they were like prepare to be here and and this was actually just as covid started happening and nobody knew what it was yet so they were like we're getting news that there's a lot of weird things going on, but prepare to be here. It was a Friday, right? They were like, for all intents and purposes, you're still ours. B 
be here Monday, be ready, we train. All right, we're coming on Monday. You leave tomorrow. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we still had like a month and a half or so left in the academy. And, wow. and they that was something they haven't done since 9-11 because they really needed people. Guys were calling out left and right. They were putting out whole houses to be safe. So whole house could have like, you know, between 10 to 20 or so guys, depending on how big or small the house is. And so they were just like, we need people. You guys are ready enough. Good luck. Like, get out there. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's awesome. That's an awesome way to get out of there. And uh, also mind, mind control they had over you at that point, too. So <laughs> get back here so we can kick you out on Monday. That's yeah, great. <laughs> So how did you decide that Tony Robbins was the way to go to help you unlock yourself and become the coach you are now? Well, I had been really looking for who's creating the most change. One of the one of the coolest techniques that we learn in cognitive behavioral therapy is called modeling. And it talks about if you want to achieve something that you're not really sure how to do, find someone who's already getting the results you want and then basically just do what they do. So my curiosity was like, I don't believe that therapy is really helping people. I don't really see that it's super effective. I think there's things I could be doing better, but I also think the model in and of itself is just not, it's, it's built as a business. If you really think about it, right? Most people are, it, it's, most people bought into the idea that you go for 10 years, you go every week for 10 years, you take the meds. That's the process. You never get over your problems. You just learn to manage them. And I never believed in that especially because I'm someone who was diagnosed in my younger years. I, I struggled a lot with bullying and suicidal thoughts and all this other stuff. And I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and panic disorder. And so I actually overcame all of those things. So I know it's possible. And then what I was learning showed me perhaps that isn't really like how you could do it. And I didn't really know how I did it either. I just know I overcame these things. And so I started basically just looking into who's getting amazing results. Who's helping people transform? Because I wasn't looking for management. I wasn't looking for ways to help people manage anxiety. I knew how to do that. I didn't know how to help people transform. And that's what I was seeking. And I knew I wasn't going to get that in therapy either. So I wound up stumbling on Tony Robbins. And I started really, <laughs> I was a little bit of a presumptuous uh, jerk off as a, as a therapist. Because I would sit there and I'd say, life coach is a bullshit. Because of the fact that. I have a degree, which makes me better than them. <laughs> and so then, and that's most therapists, like any, any therapists that are listening, you're either one, you agree with me or two, you're still lying to yourself that you don't think that way. <laughs> and so I had to kind of, I had to be really curious. I was like, well, what is this guy doing that? He's so big. Why is he, why is he considered the world's best coach? And as I was actually listening to him talk, I realized this guy knew psychology and it, at the in-depth level, but he just calls it coaching. So Tony Robbins is like a master psychotherapist. He talks about all the concepts of behavioral theory, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He talks about psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy. Like he is super deeply rooted in psychology, but he comes at it with a coaching perspective and some, and some different aspects too, right? Like the coaching stuff. So that's what actually drew me to Tony Robbins. I was like, this guy is legit because I get the depth of what he's saying but he explains it so people don't have to think that in depth. And that's how he reaches so many people because he simplifies hard concepts. And, and that's why he really blew up. So I was extremely impressed. I was like, I got to know what that guy's doing 
because he's one of the world's greatest people at creating transformation in others. And that's the route I want to go on. I don't want to teach people to manage their anxiety. I want to teach people to get over it. And so that's why I was so drawn to it. That's outstanding. And uh, I've had a lot of uh, Tony Robbins, uh, I guess, coached uh, people come on my show now and uh, all different fields too, not just becoming coaches in just business, everything. So yep. and they all, they all drop his name right away as well. He, he has to be doing something right if they're all doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the greatest saying he has is, uh, because people challenge him, you know, he has no formal degree. He's not a therapist. And people would challenge him at the start of his career. They'd be like, where's your degree? He's like, I don't have a degree, but I do have a PhD in results. How about you? And it's like, <laughs> Mike, drop, screw your degree. <laughs> Walk away. That's all you have to do right there. Once you once you have results that back up what you're saying, there's not much you can argue about at that point. Exactly. So your clients now, I know you do a lot of master of master your mindset stuff. We talk about mindset here all the time because having a positive mindset or a growth mindset is the best way to live. I believe if you keep living in the past, that mindset will kill you to live behind where behind where you are now. You got to keep moving forward. How do you get your clients to master the growth mindset or master a positive mindset? You know, interestingly enough, one of the biggest things with helping people master their mindset is actually about mastering their emotions. A lot of the times people try to think their way out of problems, but you can't like we are not actually we're not supposed to be thought driven creatures realistically. And it's and it's a very interesting thing because a lot of people will be curious of the debate that. And the reality is, if you if you take a very simple scenario, like let's just say you're walking down the street and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And you're in a good mood. You're probably going to respond and be like, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? If you're in a bad mood and I do the same thing and I'm just like, hey, how's it going? You're going to be like, what the fuck does this guy want? Like, dude, why are you <laughs> saying hi to me? How dare you say hi to me on such a terrible day? Right. Your response wasn't logic driven. It was emotion driven. If you buy something at the store, like, I don't know, BMW, let's just say you go get a BMW. Why don't you get a Toyota Corolla? It's cheaper. It does the same thing. It drives you from A to Z. But there's no emotion in the Toyota Corolla. There's a mo- emotion in the BMW. It's like BMW is nicer. It's sportier. It's got leather interior. It smells better. Chestnut wood on it. And so humans are completely and totally guided by their emotions. So part of doing mindset mastery for me is actually creating more emotional intelligence, emotional fitness, and then teaching people to actually start shifting their emotional state to help with promoting and shifting their mental state. And then we also put a lot of focus on language because your language creates a lot of emotion. Because your language is based on your belief systems and that also creates an emotional reaction in you because it's just, you already have it set. It's programmed in your subconscious mind. And whenever something comes out of the subconscious, if you don't challenge it, it's just a script your body runs. And that script is always tied to an emotion and an action or in behavioral therapy, we might call it a stimulus and a response. (laughs) Right. And your scenario of walking down the street made me think of we were soldiers once in young when the young privates walking down the street, Sergeant Major is walking there being a gruff Sergeant Major, good morning, Sergeant Major. How do you know what got a goddamn morning I'm having to walk by him? <laughs> when I left New Jersey and went to the South to the Army, I went to the store and I'm so used to how rude people are in New Jersey and New York. And I paid for my purchase and the person said, thank you. I said, what do you mean? Thank you. Why are you thanking me? I don't know you. And 
Yeah, now as I look back, man, I was just an idiot back then. I was just so stupid. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> You're in your own emotional pattern, and that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I got into a whole new world down here, and now, now I, I assimilated pretty well, so I'm doing good. That's good, man. And that's what it's about. It's about challenging your previous belief system, right? Breaking right. breaking that pattern so you're not stuck in it. And that's you can't think your way out of that. But you need to have those moments that challenge you to break your pattern. Like that right there, the reason that helped you is and, and it's stuck with you so much so that you just recalled it right now is right. because it probably created a, a different emotional connection for you because your thought process was challenged and you got curious. You're like, what do you mean? Thank you. Nobody says thank you, you weirdo. Wait, what yeah. did I say thank you? Am I the weirdo? And now you're like challenging your own process. What am I doing? <laughs> exactly. So I think that leads into the, the next question. As you get them to change their, their thought process, get the emotion out of it, how do you get them to gain ownership over their lives at that point? Mm. Challenging where they could gain ownership is important. I believe that there are five aspects in life that you can control, nothing more. So I call you know, I call this the five aspects of self-mastery. And I teach this to all of my clients because it's super important. Because if you're not focused on any of these five, you're literally focused on anything else and you can't control anything else. And that's where people get stuck because they're focused on things that are outside of their realm of control. And so the five aspects of self-mastery are you can only control your thoughts, your feelings, your language, your behaviors, and your actions. Outside of those five, nothing. So we always aim to find at least one thing that you can control. And when I say control, I think one of the things that people get a little confused about is they think like they can physically control it, right? But it's not always about being able to physically control things. It's more just about can you even gain a level of influence through one of those aspects? Because people, uh, I was on a podcast the other day and some guy was like, you know, you say that people could take ownership in every situation. Right. And I said, yeah, of course, that's the only way to like go through life. And he goes, well, what if, you know, somebody gets in a car accident and they get paralyzed forever? Like, how do they own that? I'm like, well, there's still a level of ownership. In fact, they got into a car accident. The time of day they got into the car accident is because they chose to get in the car at that time of day and go for a drive to whatever they were doing. That right there was their choice. Now the car accident wasn't the car accident was a result of the choice they made. And it's not to say you're way of putting blame on the person. It's like your fault, you're crippled, right? But the power that comes from being able to find even that and saying, you know, I left at this time of day, it was my choice. The power in there brings acceptance. Now with acceptance, you could start implementing other things. You could start shifting. You could start finding a new emotional pattern. You could start finding gratitude. You could start finding the things that you can't see when you're stuck in these patterns of like, well, I have nothing to own. Like my life sucks now because I'm crippled because that guy hit me with the car. Well, if that's truly your belief system, you're going to be in misery forever because in no, no area did you list a way where you have ownership and control and without control, you have nothing. Exactly. And a lot of listeners on here without having control, uh, being combat veterans or first responders, they have that survivor guilt. Mm. I should have done more and Jimmy would have lived or Josephine would have lived. And that stays with them forever. And that builds up that PTSD. It builds up that anxiety. How can they learn to beat anxiety? And I'm like, uh, I'm 100% anti-medication. So that's perfect. But 
how do we get them to beat their anxiety? So anxiety is interesting because anxiety is a perception of threat, right? Anxiety is one of the most primal functions we have as humans. It protected us from saber-toothed tigers as cave people. It was like, hey, there's this big thing with fangs. You need to fight it or run the hell away. Be fast. <laughs> Very fast. <laughs> or if you freeze, nothing might happen. Like <laughs> the fight or flight. <laughs> but the the interesting thing is that anxiety still functions the exact same way. We just look at it differently now. So now it might be a form of, you know, I can't pay my rent or my boss is a jerk. I don't want him to talk to me today. I'm anxious about the interaction. And so it's whatever we're putting this high level of danger on, this high level of threat. I would suggest that, you know, with, with that is the survivor's guilt, I think, goes into a higher level of anxiety, more so in even the trauma realm. Like, because you actually witnessed or were in a space, maybe you didn't witness it, right? Maybe it was like, oh, don't worry, I'll go out on patrol, you stay. And then that guy died on patrol. It's right. like, damn, it should have been my patrol that's almost a form of trauma because what trauma really is, it's just an extremely intense emotional engagement locked into a moment in time. Right? So when we're talking about that, I mean, yeah, even if you didn't witness the person die, you could experience that trauma because now the pain of that news hitting you that your friend just died because he took your watch or whatever it was, right? Like nine 11 was a great example. There were guys that should have been at the firehouse. And maybe they were running late because of traffic or they uh, they called out that day because they weren't feeling well or they called out that day just because they wanted to. Right. They were just like, oh, I mean, I got, you know, my kid, I'm going to stay home with my kid today. And so somebody had to cover. What happened? Well, it was guys that died because of that. Right. And so when you want to start working through that, it's about accepting like even though we put the responsibility on us, it's also to say like. We need to give some of that responsibility away. And it, and it's and I think people get caught up because then they feel like they're almost blaming. And that's where people get stuck. It's like, what do you mean give away responsibility? Like the dude was on the rig going to 9-11 or going to, to that because I was late. And it's like, yes, and I get that. But that man also chose the job knowing the risks involved with it. And so giving yourself a little bit of grace to say like, you know, it's not saying it's not your fault either, but giving that, giving yourself a little bit of grace to say, like, it's true. There's a lot of risk with this job. You know, I mean, I could have been late any day. I was late today. That's my fault. That's my responsibility. And I'll accept that, you know, and, and it really comes down to being able to work out and process through these emotions. That is a bit of a process, you know, and I think a lot of the times it's just that unprocessed part that eats us alive. I would definitely recommend that people sit there and, and have these conversations. And, and that's one of the best ways to start getting through it. And then shifting the story and the narrative that you're telling yourself. Don't take full responsibility and ownership over the situation. Delegate responsibility properly. Take Maybe take more of it if you have to. But understand like people are in these situations because they also chose to be there. And that's something that helps. Exactly. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier. If any action I make as a, another reaction to a cascading event. Yeah. So by that firefighter calling in sick, the cascading event was firefighter two having to stay at work or by me not wanting to go on patrol one day and one of my guys getting taken out, that's the cascading event. So that, that adds to it a little bit. But like you're saying, if you 
understand the ownership principles and the cascading event principles of all this. We all raised our right hand. We all knew what we were getting into. And you know what can happen once you uh, get on an airplane to go across the pond. Or if you, when you go to work and shake hands with your brothers and get on that rig to go to a fire, at any fire, something bad can happen yeah. at any given time. Anything can happen. You don't have to, you can't, like you said, control with that, but you can control the things you can't control. You just have to go for the ride, ride that wave as it comes. Yeah. And I think all that combined together, a lot of people walking around with that, that glum look to how do they find that happiness, the happiness bubble again after all that? Happiness is interesting because I, I don't believe it's an emotion. I believe it's consistently doing things that bring more happiness than not. Like, I don't think that, let, let's just say you have 10 things you do throughout the day, eight of which are crappy. <laughs> you're not going to be happy. But right. if you're doing 10 things throughout the day and eight of which make you happy or add some value to your life, I think that's really what it comes down to. You're doing things that add value. So for me, like I love going to the gym. If I go to the gym, it's a great day. I love my daughter. I hang out with my daughter. It's a great day. I have two things right there. I love what I do. I love my job. I love being able to help people transform and overcome problems in their life. If I do that, it's a great day. Um, I like finding some time to make a new friend or give a compliment to somebody. If I do that, it's a great day. So right now I'm going through like, if I have these four things in my day, it's adding up to be a pretty great day. And so that's really how you build happiness. Happiness is a state of being through the daily actions that you're taking, through the way that you're looking at life and the way you're living your life. A lot of people are doing things day in and day out that don't support it. So somebody would be like, I want to be happy. Oh, what's your day like? Well, I'm, I'm depressed. Okay. So what do you do? Well, I just lay in bed for like 13 hours. I watch Netflix. Do you like Netflix? Not really. I just have nothing better to do. Okay. Like, do you have friends? No, I don't go out. Okay. Um, what are you eating for food? Oh, well, I'm eating fast food. So you're eating, you're eating chemicals and shit. You're laying in bed. You're doing nothing that's helping you achieve. And by the way, dopamine, which is produced in the back of your brain, the reward center, right, comes from achievement, comes from doing things, comes from keeping your word. And, and maybe you said, hey, I'm going to read it, you know, five pages in a book today. You read that energy starts shifting back here. Chemicals get released. Happiness starts forming. So there's multiple ways to start building your happiness. One, do things that activate your dopamine center slash reward center do things that are congruent that provide you value and and provide a sense of joy and then keep yourself active like to a point where you're actually like progressing in your life people get very unhappy when they feel st stagnant and a lot of people that are stagnant tend to live their past because you can never move forward if you're continuously looking behind i was talking to a depressed client once who's constantly bringing up the past i was like let's try something here because you need an analogy the logic I'm giving you isn't working. How about this? I want you to think of your depression like this. I want you to drive us across country. And I want you to do it while looking in the rear view the entire time. Don't even stare forward once. And he's like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yes, that is ridiculous. Do you think we're going to make it? He's like, we probably won't even make it onto the highway, let alone off the street. Uh, the, you know, the first block. And I was like, right. But, but that's what you're doing when you're living in your depression. Right. You're basically saying, I want to drive forward. I want to go across country, but I refuse to look out the front of the window. I'm just going to stare backwards the whole time. That's where you're going to keep crashing. And so that simple analogy, you know, because people like analogies, but that simple one started to help him. Okay. Right. So what do we start looking forward at is now the question. 
set those goals and move forward instead of treading in the quicksand basically but think living in the past there's a lot of a lot of my friends that still live up there still live in high school and that's mm. been 30 some years ago and yeah. high school was their biggest accomplishment i always ask what have you done what are you doing or what have you done oh remember that game we played no i don't i really don't remember a lot of it because i i did a whole i have a whole other life after this so i mean i did so much in the 22 years i wasn't home at all so I've, I've moved forward and keep moving keep pushing forward instead of looking back and I understand it. Uh, I hope when I say it to them, it doesn't come off as arrogant ass, but I just try to help them find a better way to help themselves. I get that. No, and you know, that's the funny thing when people do that, and it's unfortunate, but when people do that, what they're really saying is they don't believe they will ever be better than they were in high school. That's the subconscious deep belief behind that. They literally believe that life will never be better than high school. That's why they choose to relive it. That's their source of happiness. So it's going to be very hard. If you want to help your friends, it's going to be very hard to do it because you're taking away their only source of happiness. <laughs> and that, that was their peak. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you spoke before about counting how many good things happen in a day. We call it stack of victories here on the Misfit Nation. Love so it. we we love it. Like, as soon as you wake up in the morning, that's a victory for a lot of people. It's just getting up and you're happy. You woke up and things crack, crinkle, crack and pop, you know. A lot of us uh, got beat up in the military or in uh, law enforcement, fire first responders. You get up, you stand up. That's another victory. So each day, count how many wins you have. Yeah. If you have 18 today, let's go for 19 tomorrow. Try to find that 19th. You count them and you stack those victories. And then that's how you, you find that happiness for yourself. And things things will go wrong during the day. Obviously, things go wrong every day. But just take note of it and don't do it again. Learn from it and move on. And that's what we try to teach our teach everyone within the Misfit Nation as well. Mm-hmm. I love it. So now you started a business and successful, obviously. What what tips would you give someone that's thinking of becoming a coach and uh, becoming a good coach and entrepreneur and building that business? Uh, I'm glad you said good coach. I hate a lot of coaches out there. I really do. And I know and hate is such a strong word that I try not to use, but I'm very passionate about coaching or or therapy or any any of these ways that people help because when you get a client they're entrusting you with their hope right like you're you're basically saying hey i'm gonna invest in myself which is paying you right i'm gonna invest in myself by paying you and i'm hoping to get out of this that i will achieve transformation and be relieved from some of the pain i carry and so if you don't feel like you're capable to help people do that you shouldn't be in the damn field there's a lot of people here that are here because they want a paycheck. It's a it's a decent paycheck, but it's also uh, it's also oversaturated with bad coaches and bad therapists. And so it's it's very frustrating to see that because you're hurting people. Right. So one thing that I would say is like have proper training. You don't have to go to school for six years. I don't believe that. You don't have to go become a therapist like I did. That that was what I thought my path was, and then I changed it. But have an understanding of how to coach people. Because there's a difference between coaching and just telling people what to do, right? It's like it's like you see the guy who's 400 pounds, 300 pounds in the gym. He's jacked out of his mind on steroids, HGH, growth hormone, all the good stuff. And you go up to him and you're like, hey, can you train me? The guy's like, yeah, sure, train with me. And you're training with him for a few weeks and then your shoulder hurts and you pull your chest and your bicep rips off. And, you know, you have all these injuries. That guy's not a trainer. He knows how to do it for himself. Right. But he can't train you. He's not a coach. He's not a trainer. And so there's a lot of people out there 
that only know how to do it for themselves, but they don't know how to transfer it and help you. And so if you want to become a great coach or therapist or whoever, go get that training at least to just understand what the difference is between talking at people and guiding them. Because that's really what we are. The, the biggest thing that I had to learn as a young therapist, I thought I'm going to come out, I'm going to transform people, I'm going to change the world. That's what I'm going to do. And it's bullshit. It's also self-absorbed and it's arrogant because you have no ability to do that. As a coach or a therapist, your job isn't to change people. Your job is to facilitate a space for transformation to occur. That person has to want to transform, but you have to be the catalyst to facilitate the space for them to find and do that inner work to allow them to do the transformation. So I highly recommend getting some sort of training. And then the other part is work on yourself. You need to process your own shit. I hate the fact that people are constantly walking around. It's like, I'm struggling with depression, but I'm a depression coach. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just depressed. <laughs> you're just depressed. And you're going to tell other people what it's like for you to manage your depression. You're not going to give them abilities or ways to actually overcome the depression because you don't even know how to do it. So I used to be a believer in like, you don't have to do the thing to teach it, right? But I'm not a believer in that anymore because I've seen that that's kind of bullshit. And if you look at everyone who's noteworthy out there, all the most amazing speakers and the people who are really high achieving, they're not getting up on stage and be like, yeah, so I'm depressed every day. Um, but like, you know, it's okay because that's my journey and uh, you guys will get through it. We don't listen to those people. We listen to the people that get up there. And it's like I kick depression in the face. I made depression my bitch and you can too. Here's the skills and the techniques and the strategies and the tools. Because when that person hits the roadblock that you inevitably got stuck at, they're going to be stuck and you're at the end of the work with them. So figure your shit out before you go and try and help people. And then start helping people virtually for free or extremely cheap to hone your skills. Don't go out there telling people that if they pay you thousands of dollars and you've never coached anyone, that you're going to change their life. You're saying the bar way too high. Um, not only for them, but for yourself, that's performance anxiety. You get somebody to pay you thousands of dollars and you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're not going to be a good coach because you're going to be more focused on you and making sure that you preserve the cash flow and the client. And you're going to be very in your head. You're not going to be intuitive. You're, you're going to miss very subtle cues and things you need to know to actually really coach people. And so really just like prepare yourself. Don't just jump in it because you, you see that there are coaches out there that are making millions of dollars, which is the case, right? Tony Robbins charges a million dollars for a year of coaching. Like, but he's the best in the world. He should. <laughs> People pay it. People pay it. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding tips right there. And I think all that is very noteworthy that to be a good person, a good coach, you have to understand why you're coaching for one and know what you're coaching don't yeah. just like you said, just go out there with scrambled eggs and give them it and say this is this is a fried egg, buddy. <laughs> oh no, it's it's really not. It, yes, it is. Not this is what you could call a fried egg for now. And this is what I know how to make. And that person winds up just even more messed up and having to find yet another coach until they finally find the right fit. So all that's great advice. Thanks, man. And I know you said too. You asked about kind of advice for starting up, starting up a business and doing yeah. things like that. I mean, you want me to still go into that or? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> sure, sure. So I, I think the biggest thing with starting up a business is is really, especially nowadays, is building your brand. Everything is coming down to branding. People are no longer, unless you're 
unless you're in the old school and you are this giant thing or you or you blow up to the point that you build a giant community or a giant service or product, everyone's looking at brands now. And who's the brand? And typically it's going to be you, especially if you're in a coaching profession. So dialing in your message, right? It's like, who do you help? What do you help them with? How are you unique? How are you, how are you different? How can you help people do it faster? And how can you save them time? I think those are probably the biggest things. Like, why are you unique? Why are you different? How do you save time? In fact, even if you could do those two things, you'll find that the value or the amount that people pay will drastically go up because people want speed, they want quality, and they want uniqueness. So if you get that quality, speed, unique, find those three, find that find that nice middle ground, and that's where money starts coming in and flowing abundantly. Um, a lot of it's going to be testing kind of start seeing where the market likes responding. Like, what do you do really well or what doesn't work? I also worked with clients that fired me when I first started. Like I walked into this one lady's office one day and she's like, I honestly don't know why you're here. You can't help me. And I was like, ow, all right, 10-4. Why couldn't I help this person? And then that's what I started getting curious about. And like, what would I have needed to learn to help this person? So take every failure and critique as an opportunity to learn and grow. Don't be beaten down by it. And, um, oh, the biggest thing I wish somebody told me that I didn't know is once you start making some good money, don't spend it. I had never there when I first really started taking off and I started making more money than I've ever seen. And don't get me wrong. It's not significant. Like I'm talking, I got paid like $7,000 in one month, which coming from a a pro B firefighter making $2,000 a month. I was like, wow, I've never made more than this. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I made 7,000. I invested it back into the business. I took seminars and courses. And then the next month was like, I made 6,000. And then the month after that, I made 4,000. And then the month after that, I made 2,000. And then the month after that, my girlfriend paid my credit card bill. So <laughs> don't spend all of your money until you dial in or don't, don't ever spend all your money, but don't start spending money because you're becoming abundant. Dial in your processes, your system and keep some on reserves because when you first start out, you don't typically have the systems and processes to know what's going to work and consistently build your income. So you're going to have those up and down months and it's going to be scary as hell. And if you're like me, you might be crying on the toilet saying, how do I get my old job back? And <laughs> that might be a thing, but <laughs> that I never had that advice because I didn't know any entrepreneurs. And, and so my first part of entrepreneurship was rocky and scary as hell. And uh, those are those are a few of my recommendations. Build your brand, save some money, dial in your processes and systems, figure out your client, figure out your offer. Don't wind up on the toilet crying. Don't, Don't cry on the toilet. Or you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Cry on the toilet. <laughs> Do it with us, Kings. Dan, this has been great chatting with you. Great advice, great tips. How does someone get in contact with you if they want to either hire you or just chat with you on their show? Yeah, man. Uh, people can reach out to me. If you want to just chat or do a DM, uh, go to Instagram. I'm very responsive on there. It's Instagram is vin.infanti. And I always answer messages. So if you want me to be on your podcast or whatever, shoot me a message there. If you're looking to work with me or you're curious about the things, the services I offer, you go on my website. It's www.vincentinfante.life. Also, I want to just promote and shout it out. I have a free resource that everyone could get. Um, so that's on my website too, under the resources tab, feel free, go there, just give me your email and then I will give you something for free. It is a, uh, template to build a very powerful version of a vision board, but it's not like the, the woo woo 
blonde girl promoting vision board bullshit. It's like, it's, I call it the mission board and it actually ties in more personal values. Like for instance, building your own personal mission, vision, and value statement, which is something no vision board ever talks about. And I like to tell people mine's better because a vision is nice, but a mission is something you could really get behind. So check out my mission board template, see if it helps you. It's completely free. And I would love for everybody to grab that and utilize it to transform their lives. Awesome. Thanks again for taking some of your time to hang out tonight. I know it's later there. I seen the sun go down behind you in the window. So <laughs> I didn't see flash of lights. That made me feel good too. So uh, thanks again for taking some of your time and, and dropping a lot of uh, knowledge nuggets on us tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope your audience had a great time too. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are.